1: hey this is jack coleman here you are listening to tv confidential with ed robertson ed robertson with a reminder that the next edition of tv confidential will premiere next week on the station at the usual time our guests will include four-time emmy award-winning actress michael learned of the waltons we hope to join us for that in the meantime we will wrap up this week's program by continuing conversation that began in our first hour with joe coyle joe coyle Working professional actor for almost thirty years, longtime stand in for George Clooney and later Ben Affleck, and an accomplished filmmaker in his own right. Joe has written and produced and directed several short films, and has taught acting in many venues. Joe Coyle, also one of the contributing writers to Beyond Where the Buses Run, Beyond Where the Buses Run, a collection of short stories edited by Teresa Griffin-Kennedy that depict loneliness and quiet desperation. Among the other contributors to Beyond Where the Buses Run is our mutual friend, Robert Crane, Beyond Where the Buses Run, available soon, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold on. Line. We talked earlier about uh, one of the benefits of being a stand-in, which, was, which as we mentioned earlier, was your foot in the door, so to speak, into the motion picture industry, is that if you're lucky, you're connected with a major star, and where that star goes, you go with them or you go with her. How did you get involved with being George Clooney stand-in? That's a long story. <laughs> this is the Joe Coyle Show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, A very good friend of mine The short version of the story is a very good friend of mine was Anthony Edwards stand-in on ER Mm -hmm. and he uh, came to New York while I was living there and uh, he was supposed to stay with his cousin who I worked for and his cousin uh, got engaged so there was no place for him to stay I happened to have an apartment a three-bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side that I had like the deal of the century on And two of the rooms were vacant. So I let him stay in one of the rooms for free because I was doing a favor for the guy I worked for. Well, this guy ended up playing softball with us in the Central Park Softball League where we played um, uh, against Bruce Willis, among other people. Uh, uh, And uh, he bartended for us. And so we developed this great relationship. And he said to me, if you ever come to L.A., I'll hook you up. And I want to tell you, anyone who's listening, that whenever you hear that from someone, whatever you do, don't pack up your bags and move to L.A. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> Nine times out of ten, they will not return your phone call, yeah. your text. They won't even remember who you are. This uh, uh, Tyrone Pinkham is his name, and he's a super guy, and I'm still in touch with him. And he, uh, we actually drove out together the following summer. And uh, sure enough, he had me uh, working on ER uh, in no time. As, uh, as an extra, because I was working in New York as an actor, and I was a principal. I, you know, all I, I did commercials, I did some plays, but I was a principal. I wasn't an extra, and I said, there's no way I'm going to be an extra. But I needed my SAG card, mm-hmm. and one of the rules back then was that if you worked three days as a Screen Actors Guild extra, you were eligible for your SAG card. So I had a conversation with myself, and I said, I'm going to get that SAG card, and I'm going to move back to New York, and I'm going to be a SAG actor. And... Uh, I happened to look like George at the time, and people were telling me that, and I was, it was very awkward, So I'm like, right, listen, I'm just here to get my sidecar. I'm just here to get my sidecar. Yeah. Well, well uh, George was getting ready to start Batman and Robin, and my friend Tyrone said, hey, Joe, I can get you on that show if you want to stand-in. And I said, I have no idea what a stand-in does or how to get the job. He says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he did. He hooked me up. And uh, next thing you know, I'm playing basketball with George Clooney at lunch, and you know, at the time, he was doing three or four days on ER and the other days on... He worked a seven-day week, so I ended up working a seven-day week. So mm-hmm. I'm out in L.A. for like three weeks, and uh, within three weeks, I kissed L. McPherson. I kicked Arnold Schwarzenegger. I drove in the Batmobile. I had the Bat suit on. Like, you know, people were like... They would call me... Uh, what was the guy's name from... call uh, called me Chili Palmer. Oh, yeah. From Get Shorty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I was doing all this stuff within you know, that no one gets to do when you go to L.A. because no one ever hooks you up. This, this, my good friend Tyrone Pinkham hooked me up and uh, it just worked out. George and I were, were a lot, uh, at the time, he was a little bit heavier, I was a little bit lighter. We did look, we did look alike in a, in a lot of ways and when the camera is that far away, uh, as I used to say, you know, I could have been Jerry Lewis and they wouldn't have known the difference. Um, yeah that's how it all worked and we just we ended up having a great time and you know from there i did uh out of sight and then i did uh, uh where i met my wife uh was three kings mm-hmm. in in arizona and then perfect storm and then i did the coen brother movies um it just you know it was it was just fantastic it was a, it was a great run I had, I had a really good time and um made money and um uh, then I met Ben Affleck on the, while we were doing uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven through Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And um, George uh, uh, was not doing a, a films for a little while. I, I, I can't remember what reason. Um, he took a little bit of a break. And, so Matt said, uh, you know, I'll give Ben a call and go work for him. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. That never happens.
1: Oh. Well, yeah, but I, um, I've i talked to enough actors and I've talked to enough stand-in, Joes that it – it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough that when, when people say, Matt Damon says, I'll hook you up, I can believe he hooked you up, which he did.
0: Well, Matt Damon, if anyone, uh, anyone who knows Matt Damon, Matt Damon, uh, I mean, these are all really good guys. You hear this all the time yeah. uh, f- from people who work for them. I and mean, It's easy to say that if you work for them, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I've been around those guys a lot. They are just super Super nice guys. I mean, uh, you couldn't find nicer people working in the entertainment business than uh, Ben, uh, Matt, George, Brad Pitt. We'll talk about an unassuming person. Oh, my gosh.
1: Super guy. Matt, Just super guy. Mark Go. Mark Wahlberg, who's another guy. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Wahlberg's the best. I've, yeah. And I understand one of the things that make him the best is he is very, very loyal. You know, if you get on his radar screen, if you work with him as a stand-in, if you work with him as a supporting actor, um, both he and Peter Berg, they'll remember you. And uh, Peter Berg, the director, they'll remember you. And if there's a part that seems right for Joe, they'll seek you out.
0: Yes, and uh, I'm sure everyone knows this by now, but uh, Entourage basically was the story of, of his his buddies.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, and, and I, you know, I, you know, I knew all those guys because I did I did two movies with them, and you know, then you go out and see them socially, and then you see them over the lot the Warner Brothers, play basketball with them, you know, just like you know, it was just a good, it was a good crowd, it was a good time. At that time, we were all fairly young, we were all trying to make money, hustling. There was no one that was really a you know, uh, you, know you hear all these stories about you know um, you know me- negative things. There, there was there was none of that. I mean, if you, we, you used to go over to Warner Brothers at lunchtime when we were shooting uh, ER, mm-hmm. and that basketball port- court was packed <laughs> with, with people playing basketball. And there would be two teams waiting. Yeah. So instead of playing to like uh, eleven, which is you know typical you know typical playground rules, you'd play to like five because you had to get people on and off the court during lunch hour. And, uh, it was, It
1: was a really good time. Yeah, I I would imagine you would play hard, but you don't want to play too hard because you don't want to take George Clooney or Anthony Edwards out of commission because that that would shut down the show. No,
0: you don't want to be that guy. Because
1: you'll disappear real quick. Yes, right. That's right. Uh, Joe Coyle is among the contributing writers to Beyond, where the buses run, collection of short stories edited by Teresa Griffin Kennedy, published by graystone press available very soon amazon.com where books are sold online stay with us folks we'll be right back hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. price Priceline. Joe, I understand you have a couple of movies um, that are either in the works or that were recently released. What can you tell us about them? Well, uh, I,
0: I recently wrote uh, something called Final Caller, and I've got a little, um, you know, wall here in my office where I sit. And I, I, I made up a little uh, mock poster of Final Caller, and uh, it's, you know, just really bad sketches on my part, but, uh, it, it's, it's a reminder of, you know, to keep, you know, keep that moving, keep that hustling. And, uh, uh it's a, it's a, it's a really cool story. It's a, uh, it's a neo-noir thriller. Uh, it's set in Pittsburgh where I live right now. Uh, and it's set right around the year 2000. And the reason I like that is because, uh, you know, technology wasn't, uh, you know, evases, invases everywhere. Um, so, I don't know if you, I mean, you probably realize a lot of, there's a lot of period stuff from like the 80s and 90s and I think one of the reasons they do that is, A, it's a cool period as far as hair and, and uh, makeup and wardrobe and things like that. But also, you know, you, if you have a cell phone, it's almost like a get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that happens now, you can, you know, magically push this button and you're, and you're kind of saved. Whereas back then, I mean, if you're in trouble, you know, you're, you're kind of in trouble. You know, uh, so, you know, you have these plot points um, that you can you can hang your hat on now. It's like, wait a minute, if you had a cell phone, you could, you know, where's the cell phone, or whatever, you know you know what I mean? Like, minute, they should have GPS, shouldn't they? Anyway, so this is, uh, it's set then, and one of the things I like about it is that it, uh, it crosses racial lines, and uh, it, uh, you know, the noir classics that I love, they're in the forties or fifties and, and it's pretty much an all white cast. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the thought occurred to me is like, wait a minute, you know, why can't, why can't that be an African American guy? And you know, uh, why can't he be, you know, married to or dating or attracted to a, a, a white woman or, or the other way around? And so I just shuffled the deck. And so now it's like, and in my script, I don't ever really mention what race they are, but in, in my pitch, um, in my pitch that that's part of the pitch that uh, this is uh, uh this
1: makes it something somewhat interesting so, yeah and and, and more, more interesting yeah no, it's, it's 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 very clever because if by by leaving it somewhat ambiguous you know you you're allowing um if it's a casting director who's reading it or if it's a producer who's reading it you're allowing him or her to say hmm uh, I see possibilities, and I see possibilities of maybe casting a Denzel, just to name exactly. it, just, just to pick a name. Yeah, which which you would li- which you would limit yourself otherwise if you're very, if you're too specific.
0: Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, this thing here in my in my uh, I had the the raw sketch that uh, that I, I drew, and then from that. I you know went to you know magazines and things like that, and I cut out pictures of the stars. What I won't mention, who I see in this, and and, uh, and that version of the poster uh, is in the folder uh, <laughs> n- next to me. And uh, that one's really cool because you can see okay that guy would be great in that role, and oh my God, and think of her, and uh, like that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's something that's on the top of my list. I also wrote uh, um, uh, Divine Intervention. Divine Intervention is. Uh, about a Catholic priest who uh, uh, has some uh, uh, some vices that, uh, uh, you know, not not prototypical, not the things that you might think. Uh, and uh, and those vices are his strengths at times, but like many characters, uh, many people in their life, the, the, the biggest weakness sometimes is the biggest strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that get them in the most trouble are the things that get them out. And um, so that's, uh, that's set in Philadelphia where I grew up. I, I, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, I'm a product of Catholic school, so uh, it's very much set in, in that time and that, uh, once again, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, lastly on my hit list is something uh, called Paternal Order. And Fraternal Order is a story of a family of uh, police in Philadelphia that is, I'd have to say, and I didn't do this on purpose because when I originally wrote it, it was just before Blood Brothers came out, and uh, it is the antithesis of Blood Brothers. Mm. So uh, these guys are not necessarily the nicest people in the world. Um, and uh, But it, it, it's a family, and so some of them... You know are, are, are trying to do good but they're caught up in the family business of of graft and things like that and it's uh it's it's pretty good uh, um and it's seen through the eyes of of the black sheep of the family who you know he packed up and left uh to go to la and uh a family member dies he comes back to the funeral and in his mind he's going to come home for the funeral of course and he's going to leave and of course that doesn't happen because if you did, we would have a story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's pretty cool too. That's uh, I, I really like that as
1: well. Well, oh, they're
0: my they're my three biggest films, of my uh, um, film projects. But I have a number of short stories uh, that I'm getting ready to submit. That uh, they run the gamut, but it's, it's all good stuff. It's stuff that keeps me going. oh, it's, oh. it's, it's my sanity check. The writing is <laughs> my sanity
1: check. <laughs> um. Keep us posted on the progress of Divine Intervention, Fraternal Order, and Final call, uh, Final Caller. Keep us posted on the progress of those. Um, when you have your when, when your next short story finds a home, uh, let us know. We'll have you back on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Joe Coyle is among the contributors of, uh, to Beyond, where the buses run a collection of short stories edited by Teresa Griffin Kennedy, available. Very soon, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Joel Coyle, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. A reminder that William Holden will be honored posthumously as the recipient of the next Burton Moss Hollywood Golden Era Award, which will be presented first week of May as part of the Gold Coast International Film Festival in Great Neck, New York. Stephanie Powers will accept the award that night on William Holden's behalf for reservations, more information about the William Holden ceremony or about the Gold Coast International Film Festival itself, call 516-829-2570, 516-829-2570, or visit goldcoastarts.org. For more information about the William Holden Wildlife Foundation, WHWF. For more on Stephanie Powers, Powers stephaniepowersonline.com. Ed Robertson, Beth, Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grice, and Greg Airbar, thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk.com